This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Seek Reality Radio with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about your reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here is Roberta. Welcome, welcome. This is my very first show, so we're going to be doing this together. There is one reality, just one. It isn't a scientific reality or a religious reality, but, and there's another reality we know about too, the one that we can see and touch. There's one reality, but it's none of those three. And in fact, it's spectacular. And now at the start of the 21st century, it's finally possible for you and me to begin to understand our one reality and to use what we're learning to wonderfully transform our lives. My name is Roberta Grimes. You're listening to Seek Reality on the Contact Talk Radio Network. Every week at this time, we'll be spending an hour together working to better understand the one glorious reality in which we live. Think about it. Most folks think in terms of three realities simultaneously, and they contradict one another sometimes. There's the reality our senses show us, what we can see and touch. There's the reality Christianity shows us, not entirely material. There's heaven up there somewhere, and God's in charge. And finally, there's the reality that mainstream science shows us. No God in that one. But also, it's a reality previously different from what we think we're seeing and touching. Three different views of reality. But we know now that all three of those views of reality are in, ever, are in error. All three of them are wrong. Each is just a perspective, and as a perspective, each can be useful to us. But there's only one reality, and neither mainstream Christianity, mainstream science, nor your own sense of sight and taste and touch can accurately show you what that reality is. So we're going to discover it together. The evidence for what's actually going on is consistent, and it's overwhelming now. You are a powerful, eternal being. You never began, and you never will end. And the reality in which you live is more glorious and much more loving than your most optimistic imaginings. So let's plunge in now and begin to understand what reality actually is. If you have questions to share, and I love questions, but if you don't feel moved to ask a question, that's okay too. We'll figure out how, as we go along how to do this. Feel free to call in during our third segment. The number to call is 877-230-3062. That's 877-230-3062. This week and next, we'll be doing introductory programs in which we'll cut to the chase. This week, I'll tell you how I've learned what I know, and I'll give you a brief summary of what I've learned about the greater reality that is the only reality. Then next week, I'll answer what is probably mankind's central question, What does dying feel like? How does it happen? And what happens to us after our deaths? Since the evidence is overwhelming that you and I are eternal, never began, never will end, will go on forever, it it starts to matter quite a lot what our eternity is going to be like. And the truth about death and the afterlife is known now in great detail. 
Tune in next week at this time and you'll know it too. Then in the weeks that follow, we'll talk about how Christianity fits in, talk about the science of the greater reality, and talk about what all of it means for living our best lives right now. We'll feature some wonderful guests who can give you their own perspectives on what's a really enormous picture. But don't take our word for any of this. They'll also show you how you can learn all these glorious truths for yourself. And now let's get started together making the most of the rest of our eternal lives. Roberta Grimes is a perfectly boring small business lawyer. If you knew me, you would be, you'd be amazed about my secret life. I'm a wife of 40 years. I'm a mother of three. I'm a grandmother of four, almost five. So why have I spent my entire life researching the afterlife? It's been my hobby. It's been my bliss. What the heck is wrong with me? I'm perfectly ordinary, but... When I was eight years old, I had one extraordinary moment. In April of 1955, I woke up in the middle of the night and I realized there is no God. And I was terrified. And in the midst of my fear, there was a brilliant light in the room. It was like burning magnesium, brilliant, a flash. I remember it as if it had happened last night. It was almost 60 years ago. And in fact, I remember the awful wallpaper, which I myself chose when I was about seven, Uh, It was lilacs, a lilac-colored wallpaper with uh, cornflowers on it. I remember it in detail. It's one thing about these experiences is that they don't ever fade in your memory. In the midst of that flash of light, there was a voice, a young male voice said, you wouldn't know what it is to have me if you didn't know what it is to be without me. I will never leave you again. Oh, that's nice. You, when you're eight, Everything is surprising, so nothing is surprising, and I figured, well, when you forget, people remind you. Uh, So I went back to sleep. I assumed that I would hear sometime what that was. It must happen to others if it happened to me, but it's in the nature of these experiences that you never, ever mention them. I never asked a question. I never got an answer. Eventually, I majored in religion in college purely because I figured when you got to college, you'd find out what that was. By the time I was 20, I was pretty discouraged. In fact, I think that's the only time in my life I've ever been depressed. I came home from my, my job. I had a summer job. I came home, sat down on the bed, and over my right shoulder, flashing in the room, was the same light. And the same young male voice said, I will never leave you. When you're 20, you're a lot more skeptical. And let me tell you, that was a shocking experience. And it was really, really embarrassing because I figured, apparently, it never happened to anybody else even once, and it had to happen to me twice. I must be the dunce of the universe. For years afterward, I prayed, okay, God, I know you're there. Please don't ever do that to me again. And in all these years, God never has. But I had to know what that was. So I set out trying to, the only way I could, think to to learn about it. I set out trying to learn about the afterlife. I figured whatever that was, that must be somehow related to wherever we go after death. And at first there wasn't much I could learn. It wasn't until 1975 and the glorious, wonderful Raymond Moody's Life After Life that casual readers really could find much about the afterlife. And um, when I first read that book, it it was wonderful. It was like coming home. We'll talk about near-death experiences, which is what his book was about. He coined the term. We'll talk about those later in this this series of programs. But at the time, it was was a revelation. And then after that, there were so many more books published. 
And what was glorious about each of those books is they had bibliographies. And when you find bibliographies, you find more stuff to read. And then when you read those books, you find more and more bibliographies. And that's how I discovered that we have nearly 200 years of abundant and consistent afterlife evidence. Most of it you've never heard of. Most of the best of it was generated, give or take, 100 years ago, within 20 years either way of 100 years ago. And it's it's forgotten now by almost everyone. But it came through deep trance mediums, and we'll talk in a later program about why that makes a big difference. But when I started to read Afterlife Communications, uh, it was it was like reading little messages from people who lived in a place where I knew I was going to be one day, and they, they knew what was going on. It was frustrating because they were talking 100 years ago. The people who asked them questions didn't ask the questions I wanted to have answered. As a result, I had to read a lot of communications. I spent maybe 30 years from the late 70s until a few, just a few years ago obsessively reading communications from the dead, most of them old. It wasn't until within the last 10 years or so I was willing to read anything that was produced after 1950 because I figured people were probably trying to make a buck. They could make stuff up. I wanted to hear what the dead actually had to tell us. And what was frustrating, as I say, is the wrong the people didn't ask them the right questions, so I had to read many to pick out little pieces of the things I wanted to know. I wanted to know what it was like there. What were their days like? How did they spend their time? What did they wear? What was the physics like? How did they travel around? Did they get to see their friends? Was it all good or was it all bad? The fundamental question everybody wants to know about reality is, is it good and loving or is it dog-eat-dog, evil and cold? I'm telling you, it's much more loving than the most optimistic hope you could possibly have for it. But I wanted to know that. I didn't, I'm, very, I'm very skeptical by nature. I couldn't believe unless I knew. So I was trying to find out. And little by little, I put the picture together. I was looking for things that agreed from one communication to another. I figured it would mostly be junk, but I was trying to find a few people who said the same thing. What was extraordinary to me, though, was that there were no outliers Every communication from the dead that I have read over the past perhaps almost 40 years was consistent with every other communication, if they talked about any of these topics at all, in terms of the physics of it, what they do with their time, what it's all about, how it works, everything was the same. And just the fact of that made me know it had to be real because the, there was no way that these people, you know, almost a thousand dead people over you know, 50 years, collaborated. They didn't collaborate, and the people who wrote the books didn't collaborate. It had to be real. It turned, so then, then you sort of see that it's real, and then you start saying, well, all right, there must be a science behind it. I started reading the science of the afterlife only probably 12 years ago. There started to be good quantum physics for dummies books, and uh, I, there also was more and more research being done in consciousness because mainstream scientists are just darn well sure they're going to find out how consciousness is generated in the brain and they're working hard at it. Well, it isn't generated in the brain, and that's a dead end. But the, but the research they're doing gives us interesting information um, when we're looking at it from the perspective of what consciousness actually is. And again, the dead, the dead are our great witnesses, and they're ignored entirely by science. And therefore, you know, you and I are miles ahead of them when we understand what the dead are telling us. There's one more witness, um, and I hesitate to even mention this witness, except that it was this witness that made me know I had to go public with this information. 
The gospel words of Jesus tell us in great detail exactly what we learn from the dead and from quantum physics and consciousness research. It is astonishing. We have a 2,000-year-old witness who is who spoke and tried, told us he knew stuff. He knew these things. And he told us things about God, reality, death, and the afterlife that we could not have begun to confirm until the, probably the early 20th century. Little things and big things. That is astonishing to me. We know that, the, that the, there's continuous custody of those words for 2,000 years. No later person who knew this information could have gone back and put those words in there. We'll have separate programs to talk about what Jesus said and how we know that what he said now was true. Um, I'm not an advocate for Christianity at all, and you'll explain that in a later program, but I'm telling you, we've got a witness, and there's the odds against chance that over a thousand or around a thousand communicators from where the dead are, plus quantum physics and consciousness research, plus our 2,000-year-old witness, the odds against chance that they would all be in cahoots to tell us a lie are, are incalculable. I can show you that all these things are true. You can believe them without a doubt, but I still think you shouldn't take my word for it. I'll show you how I figured it out, and you can do that figuring out for yourself. Why is it that they haven't figured it out? Well, the problem is, uh, with Christianity, it's, and maybe Christianity is, in my mind, a proxy for all religions. I haven't Although I majored in religion in college, I mainly studied Christianity. I was still trying to understand that experience I'd had. But the, the problem is that there are both mainstream science and mainstream religion are, are closed belief systems. They're closed. No, no new information is allowed. Um, I, it's easy to see that with religions. You know, if, if you have a religion, you'll learn stuff that people believed a long time ago. Um, Christianity, for the most part no matter which denomination you belong to, does not allow God to give you new revelation. And why that's the case, I don't know, but that's, I, I, I don't question anyone's religious beliefs. I think you should believe whatever makes, makes you feel comfortable. I'm sure God is leading you as he's leading me. But mainstream science is as much a closed belief system as is Christianity. Think about it. Mainstream science sets itself up in opposition to theism. It actually calls, and I've read this in more than one place, the fundamental dogma is atheism. Well, if the fundamental dogma is atheism, anything that smacks of the possibility of a god is rigorously rooted out and and destroyed. A few weeks ago, I had the great joy of visiting um, probably the only um, uh, scientist, and I'll tell you more about him later, who was doing work in this field in a university setting. But almost no university will allow anyone to investigate these phenomena without drumming him out. So if that's the case, mainstream science is as much a closed, closed belief system as is um, mainstream religion. I should give you his name. His name is Gary Schwartz. This is, a, this is a man, and we'll talk about him in later programs, who fearlessly has used scientific methods to investigate afterlife phenomena and other uh, so-called paranormal phenomena. And he's done a wonderful job of it, and he's a wonderful human being, and a joy to know. Um, but the problem is, there's only one of him. And what we need are scientists all over the country to open their minds, all over the world. Open their minds to the possibility that it maybe after a hundred years of, of 
total blindness in quantum physics. If they looked at what the dead have to tell us, there might be a lot more that they could learn. But while mainstream science continues to insist that death is the end of human life, then they do. They cannot possibly figure out what's really going on because it's closed itself off to the best witnesses. So, we're going to have to give them a little help, you and I. Let's, let's do that. The testimony of the dead is really key to understanding our one reality. They've got a great deal to tell us about the greater reality where they now live. And next week, of course, we'll be talking about what they tell us about death in the period right after death. But to make sense of death, even to make sense of death, we're going to have to understand um, and wrap our minds around what reality actually is. What is the greater reality in which we live? So that's what we'll be talking about for the rest of this program. You're listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on the Contact Talk Radio Network. We're going to be taking questions in the third hour, so please call 877-230-3062 if you have a question or if you'd like to talk. And uh, we're about to start talking about what reality is and how we know what it is, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. eight, Roberta Grimes had an amazing experience of light. She spent the next 50 years researching the afterlife to try and understand what had happened to her. And the result is her book, The Fun of Dying. Find out what really happens next. Roberta's book is Cliff Notes to 200 Years of Abundant and Consistent Afterlife Evidence. It will show you why extinction is impossible for you, explain how you can enjoy the death process, and describe for you in wonderful detail the glorious heaven that awaits us all. Available on Amazon in Kindle and in print, The Fun of Dying will start you on a thrilling and life-affirming voyage as you learn the glorious truth about who you really are. If you've ever wondered why you're here, if you wonder whether God is real, if you wonder why life isn't fair or whether there's life after death, let Roberta Grimes help you learn the joyous truth about your own reality. Roberta has trouble with believing things. She's always wanted to know. So she spent decades studying nearly 200 years of afterlife evidence. In the process, she made some wonderful discoveries about God, reality, and your own eternal nature. The truth is better than your most optimistic hopes. Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on Saturdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Why wonder and worry when at last it's possible to know? Welcome back to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on the Contact Talk Radio Network. Our number, if you would like to talk in the third hour, or third, third segment of the hour, Lord, third hour makes me crazy. Third segment of the hour is 877-230-3062. And now we're going to start to talk about what reality actually is. As I've said, I've read many hundreds of communications from the dead. I wish... 
I wish I'd known I was going to be writing and talking about this because I might have made notes, but I didn't over 50 years make notes. It's too late to go back and figure it out now. But I've, I've read hundreds of communications. All of those I've read are consistent with one another, but they tell an enormous, pic, enormous picture. and It's an enormous tapestry. Um, I say in the book I've written, which I'll talk about or you may be hearing commercials about, that it's like reading hundreds of accounts from a, a couple of hundred years' worth of travelers to Fiji. You're going to go to Fiji. You'd like to know what it's like. And they all had different experiences there, but they're all talking about the same huge, complex place. I'm especially struck by the fact that the physics of it, the science of it, is always the same. All these communications are perfectly consistent. And, in fact, I don't think I've ever read two that were duplicates. They were all unique. So, eventually, I figured it all out. Not just what had happened to me at the age of eight and then again at 20, but also what death is and what the afterlife is like. It was so amazingly detailed and consistent, I knew there had to be a scientific basis for it. So in the past decade, I, decades, I've been reading quantum physics for dummies and studying the results of research on consciousness. And once again, amazingly, it all fits. But as I've just said, the icing on the cake was when I realized we have a 2,000-year-old witness. And when I saw that Jesus in the Gospels said the same stuff I knew I had to write a book, so I did. It's called The Fun of Dying, Find Out What Really Happens Next. It's available in Amazon, at Amazon.com in paper and Kindle and at Barnes & Noble as an e-book. It's a very quick, quick read. I wrote it specifically for people who are dying or who have someone they love who's dying uh, or, or has died, um, and they need this information. They need it urgently, and so therefore it's easy for everyone else to read. Um, it includes an appendix that talks about how what Jesus said is corroborated uh, in the evidence. Um, it includes an appendix about um, what happened to me when I was eight years old and what I, how I figured it out. And it includes a, a study guide of some 60 books. Uh, even though I didn't make notes at the time, I knew enough of the key books to be able to give you the, the ability in just four books if you don't have much time or if you have more time in many more books to do the same research I've done. You're going to be amazed to find out how much really good afterlife evidence is available. Once I had the basics down, I decided I'd try to flesh out my knowledge by reading other stuff. And it turns out all this other stuff says exactly the same things that the core communications from the dead tell us. Here are some of the other things you can read that, in my experience, have been entirely consistent. Deathbed visions, we'll talk about those next week. Near-death experiences, a huge amount of information available there. Accounts by out-of-body travelers, especially Bob Monroe and his team. Intermetal transcommunication and electronic voice phenomena. Another thing we'll have to do a program about. Past life memories recalled during hypnotic regression and past life memories of children. Big areas. And evidence of ghosts and spirit possession. We're going to have to talk about spirit possession, which I still refuse to really believe in, but the evidence is overwhelming. And the harm that's done by possessing spirits is so enormous that I think that if you're going to be a sissy like me, you're really doing people harm. So I'm going to have to frankly tell you what I've learned and what I wish were not true. But that's all for other programs. What we learn from all these sources of information is so entirely consistent with everything else we've learned from every other place that I'm certain, and I'm telling you today that I'm certain that what, I'm going to, what we're going to be talking about now is correct. It's true. It's not the whole truth, but it's enough of the truth for us all to get started 
on living a life which is much more consistent with what reality actually is. That's why I've committed to giving you all my Saturday mornings for a while, and frankly, that's a big commitment. I'm not trying to sell books. If you would like my book, great. If you can't afford it, send me an email. I mean, I'm not trying to sell books. What I'm trying to do is give you the truth so you can be free. I hesitate to say it, but Jesus did say, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. And I think there's a lot of evidence he was talking about this stuff. It's your birthright to know what's actually true. And knowing what's true is going to transform your life. I've seen it happen with others and it certainly has happened with me. So why is this big news anyway? If you and I can figure it out now pretty easily, how come nobody else has figured it out? Two reasons, I think. First, until about the last decade, there wasn't enough information widely enough available to allow us to achieve a reasonable understanding. Frankly, until I read Quantum Enigma, I, didn't, I never got quantum physics. That was, that's a book, by the way, you can get as a PDF on the Internet. I can't remember the names. Two authors, Rosencrantz, and I, one of the, I can't remember the names, but Quantum Enigma is, a, is, is the key book to read about quantum physics. Many of the important things that we really needed to know have been around for a hundred or more years. But until recently, we couldn't achieve a reasonable understanding. But second, of course, we still got religion and science fighting. I've actually, I went to a symposium a few years ago in which they were trying to, as they said, reach across the fence and talk science and religion. And there were some wonderful presenters at this conference which were talking about all the stuff I knew, but they were trying to relate it to Christianity because they were dealing with fundamentalist Christians. In a break, I said to a couple of them, I said, you know, that's not a fence you're reaching across. That's a huge valley. And in that valley between science and religion, there's an enormous body of evidence that everybody's ignoring. And they gave me funny looks and walked away. It's going to take a long time, probably, for all of this to become widely known. And when it is widely known, suddenly everybody will know it because most people will have learned it individually. So be it. It's going to be up to you and me, and let's get started. Most of us face two stumbling blocks in trying to understand all the evidence. The first is, how can multiple levels of solid afterlife reality exist exactly where we are, which is what the evidence tells us. It's not an onion. It's not up there. It's exactly where we are. You're, you're dead or in the room with you now. Second, how is it possible for you to survive your death when your brain dies and disintegrates? I'll cut to the chase. I'll give you the answers. Matter and energy and time and space are not objectively real. They're part of this illusion that we live in now. The universe is a really good illusion, but an illusion basically is what it is. More complicated than that, but cutting to the chase, that's why it all can exist in the same place. I'll tell you more mechanically how it works a little bit this week and also maybe next week. The answer to the second question is simple. Your mind is not generated by your brain. Your mind is nowhere near your brain. Your mind actually attaches to your whole body. But your body is really something more like a remote-controlled meat robot. That's what it is. Your mind is nowhere near it, and your mind cannot be touched by anything that touches your body. All right, let's be frank. All the afterlife levels are just as real as the material universe. In fact, to the people who live there say that's reality. This is the illusion. So I, it's, I just give you what they tell me. Eventually, science, therefore, will discover the afterlife levels. It's going to happen if it happens 200 years from now, or 3, or 1, or 50 years from now. It's going to happen one day. And when they do, 
as they study the afterlife levels, as they talk to the people who live there, who are eager to talk to them, they've been trying to get this information to us, we know, for more than 100 years, science will begin to express what I'm about to tell you in scientific terms. I'm not a scientist. I never even took physics in high school, which turned out to be a big advantage. So right now I'm going to talk to you in lay terms, but I'm assuming you're a lay person too, so it's going to be easier, perhaps, for you to understand me than when the scientists start talking scientifically. Here's what the people who already live there tell us is the science of the greater reality in which they live, which is most of reality. First, the bottom five levels of the seven inhabited levels of reality other than this one are as solid as the material reality we perceive around us now. Absolutely as solid. They say more solid. But the matter is of a different kind, and we'll talk about that next week. Second, all those levels exist exactly where we are, separated only by different rates of vibration. The easiest way to understand this is to think of your television set. Right now, you're tuned to the lowest that we're aware of, the lowest vibratory level, the earth level. That's where your mind is tuned, to that particular body that you think you're inhabiting on this level. When you die, you're going to change channels, and your mind will pick up a different level of reality in the same place, just as if you put two TVs side by side, they could be tuned to two different channels. Or... If you had just one TV and you were going from channel 5 to channel 8, all you'd have to do is change channels. It would be easy, and that's exactly how easy death is. That's all it is. Third, there appears to be tremendous space in the afterlife. I would hazard, 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 can't even say this, hazard a guess that each level of the afterlife may be as big as the universe. There's certainly no end to it. It's much less crowded there. Isn't that an irony? We think, oh, there are so many people who have died. must be real crowded. Here's the crowded place. There is totally uncrowded. But yet, crowd, an uncrowded, huge, solid feeling. You can go from where you're sitting now to the edge of the universe in an eye blink of time in the afterlife. So clearly the physics there is very different, isn't it? Time is highly flexible, too. Objective time doesn't exist there. Now, if you're in the levels that are directly in contact with the Earth, you tend to kind of have an Earth clock going, so you have some sense of time. But if you want to, you can suspend time. If you want to, you can speed up time. Time is controlled by your mind in the afterlife. Another fact about the afterlife is that it gover- the mind governs everything in the afterlife. It creates the reality you're in. It's fun, and I'll talk about this next week. It's fun to read a story of how they build a house there because there are lots of houses. Again, something Jesus told us. The way they build a house is they design it out, and then they call on people whose minds are stronger, teams, who who come in and think into existence that drawing of the house. And it's solid, and it stays there until they decide to get rid of it. That's how powerful minds are in the afterlife. Mind controls everything. Now, if you're familiar with quantum physics, the, the physics of the greater reality we enter at death is remarkably familiar, almost eerily so. I believe it's probably a pure form of quantum physics. It's quantum physics without the little units that they call quanta. I think when scientists eventually get on the right track, they're going to discover that our quantum physics, what we perceive from here as quantum physics, is really a kind of plug that connects the Newtonian physics that restricts our lives here with the kind of physics that operates in most of reality. And here's another little scientific thing which might amuse you if you're 
if you know about this. Physicists tell us 96% of the universe is what they call dark energy and dark matter. It's not black or anything. They just can't. They don't know what it is, but they can tell it's there. That's about the right, probably the right proportion. It may be, and I don't know if it is, but it may be that that dark matter and dark energy is actually the most of reality that makes up the greater reality we enter at death. 4% is the entire material universe. That, That would be about right. So what have we learned so far? First, material matter is not objectively real. Second, material energy is not objectively real. Third, space is not objectively real. And fourth, time is not objectively real. And in nearly all of reality, our minds are a powerful creative force. Okay, then, if matter and its correlate energy and time and space are not fundamental, when we're trying to understand what reality is, what is fundamental? Evidence suggests that the only thing we can think of as real, and not just another part of the illusion, is an energy-like potentiality without size, without form, which is both highly emotional and apparently self-aware. Many researchers call this consciousness. I generally refer to it as mind to differentiate it from the daily awareness that we also think of as consciousness. Yep. We have found God. God is real. In fact, God is the only thing, the only thing that's real is mind, consciousness, or God. doesn't matter what term you use. The only reason I don't say God is if I say God, it's going to put in your head things which are just not true about the real God. The real God has no judgment whatsoever. The real God is infinite love. And the real God is not, doesn't have a beard. The real God is not material at all. With the help of our beloved dead collaborators, we're finally going to be able to understand what God is. And there'll be future programs devoted to understanding better what God is and what that means for the life we're living in the real reality. For now, though, please just understand that mind or consciousness or God is the only reality. And your mind, your mind is inextricably part of that mind, which has enormous implications when you think about it. You're powerful, you're eternal. Going to my beloved way shower and best friend, um, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't say love your neighbor as if your neighbor were yourself, did he? He said love your neighbor as yourself. Was he not telling us you and your neighbor are part of one being? There's a lot of evidence that that's true. It's hard to get our minds around because separation is so inherent in our lives But essentially, there's only one of us here. The implications of all this are enormous. We're going to spend every Seek Reality segment from now on exploring what all of this really means. But but fundamentally, what it means is that you're in a powerful eternal being. You never began and you never will end. And that's something which you can absolutely take to the bank. It's certain. And it carries with it great joy and also great responsibilities. Mainstream science has for hundreds of years seen itself as fighting Christianity to establish a truer version of reality. The problem is, mainstream science has put itself into a box. This, I think, goes back to Plato and Aristotle. I don't know when it started, but this whole notion 
that you could divide the study of reality into spiritual and not spiritual is very ancient. It's not recent. We can't blame anybody alive today. But the problem is it's ingrained now. And the fact that there's only one reality is something that none of them would take seriously. Or they would say ours is the real reality, the other one is the illusion. But both science and Christianity can frankly be used to study what reality actually is, which to me is kind of very important. Um, and, and we'll be doing that. We'll, we'll do specific segments of this program on that. Just always remember that mainstream science and mainstream Christianity are not telling you what reality is. And nobody else is either, so it's going to be up to you and me to figure it out. But we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. You're listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on the Contact Talk Radio Network. We'll be taking questions when we come back, if anyone has questions to ask. And if you don't have questions, I believe me, I have a lot to say. So if you'd like, call 877-230-3062, and we'll be right back. When she was eight, Roberta Grimes had an amazing experience of light. She spent the next 50 years researching the afterlife to try and understand what had happened to her. And the result is her book, The Fun of Dying. Find out what really happens next. Roberta's book is Cliff Notes to 200 Years of Abundant and Consistent Afterlife Evidence. It will show you why extinction is impossible for you, explain how you can enjoy the death process, and describe for you in wonderful detail the glorious heaven that awaits us all. Available on Amazon, in Kindle, and in print, The Fun of Dying will start you on a thrilling and life-affirming voyage as you learn the glorious truth about who you really are. If you've ever wondered why you're here, if you wonder whether God is real, if you wonder why life isn't fair or whether there's life after death, let Roberta Grimes help you learn the joyous truth about your own reality. Roberta has trouble with believing things. She's always wanted to know. So she spent decades studying nearly 200 years of afterlife evidence. In the process, she made some wonderful discoveries about God, reality, and your own eternal nature. The truth is better than your most optimistic hopes. Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on Saturdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Why wonder and worry when at last it's possible to know? Welcome back to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on the Contact Talk Radio Network. If you'd like to talk, our number is 877-230-3062. So I just told you a few things which I hope you're thinking about. We can find God. In fact, we have found God. God is the only reality. God is different from anything you've really ever been told. Uh, But it's possible to know about God in great detail. And the information that allows us to know so many things about what reality is and how best to live in it, all comes from dead people. Which perhaps before you began listening today, you didn't even know they were there. 
But the dead have been trying hard for at least probably 125 years to get in touch with us and to make us know they were there. Um, We'll talk in later segments of this program about some of the things they've done, in many cases dramatic things, to try to get through to scientists because they understand that right now science is an absolute barrier to our understanding what's going on. Um, And that's unfortunate because people are living and dying with unnecessary grief and pain. If everybody knew that they were eternal, people would live a lot more responsibly, don't you think? I mean, I I can only tell you what the experience has been for me. And when I understood that there's no such thing as a private thought, and when I understood that I was going to live forever, believe me, I cleaned up my act. You can't hate internally and, you know, act nice on the outside and have that be of any use to you at all. We, when we know the truth, we clean up our lives in wonderful ways. When we know the truth, we stop caring so much about things like money, things like, you know, what people think of us. I couldn't care less what people think of me. I want people to know the truth for their own sake. Um, if it turns out when science gets to this, they find some of what I've concluded is wrong, well, probably they will because they're scientists. And as I say, I never even took physics in high school. It doesn't matter. What matters is that there is only one reality. We can understand what that reality is now. That reality is infinitely loving and infinitely, we are infinitely precious. Inextricable parts, beloved parts of that one reality, and that one reality is what religion, religious people call God. We don't have to call God God, however, because God doesn't have a beard. And as far as I'm concerned, whenever I think of God as God, Uh, it puts too many negative uh, feelings in my mind. When I think of God as mind and understand that I'm part of mind and that mind is all there is, there is nothing to fear, that's probably the biggest thing that happens in your life. When you really come to understand what's going on, it takes away all fear. You are beyond the reach of anything that could possibly harm you. I think if everybody knew all of this, the world would change dramatically overnight for the better. So that's, as I say, why I'm willing to give up my Saturdays. If you disagree with me, I'm delighted to hear from you. Don't be polite. Um, If you disagree with me, a lot of other people will as well. If I haven't expressed something well enough, a lot of other people probably are having trouble too understanding what I just said. If you'd like to, call 877-230-3062. I'm about to go back into my spiel. The implications of what we've learned, as I say, um, for your for your life are astounding. I'll devote whole programs to what we know about how best to live your life. But again, our way shower and best friend, um, Jesus, told us, learn to love perfectly, learn to forgive completely. As you'll learn next week about when we talk about death and the period after death, That's important not just for other people, but it's important for you. It's going to make a huge difference in the kind of eternity you'll be living, especially right after you die. Um, This is where we're supposed to be learning, and the things we're supposed to be learning for most of us, the hard things, the big things, are how to love and how to forgive. And as it turns out, the only forgiveness we have to worry about after our death is not forget God's forgiveness. God, I have found no evidence in two of them. 200 years of evidence 
And in decades of looking for it, I've found no evidence that God has ever judged a single human being ever, or any other religious figure has either. But boy, people judge themselves, and that's where we get into trouble. But think of all the things we can now explain. All manner of psychic phenomena. You know, mind reading. I don't know if you have a friend who you can always tell when they're about to call or text, but I do. And now I understand why, because we're so in tune. Our minds are so in tune, and they're all part of the same being. Communicating with the dead. You can see how easy it would be because they're right here, but yet it's very difficult. Why? Our third show, in a couple of weeks, it's already been recorded because I'll be away, and in that one we'll talk very specifically about um, why it's hard to communicate with the dead and what are are the ways that are most likely to be effective for you if you decide that becomes important to you. Please know, though, that those you love have survived. The main thing that seems to be important to them and to us when we talk about communication is... um, Are they there? Are they okay? Are they the same people? The answer is, yeah, they're exactly the same people. And that tends to be a disappointment to many of them. They think they'll put on a halo and suddenly be good or whatever. Um, But we're exactly the same people after we die. We were before. Uh, We just don't have a body which was actually not attached to our minds to begin with. It was a temporary vehicle which we could use to learn. And that's all it was. But your beloved dead are right here, right with you. You can talk to them. Um, acknowledge that they're there. Say, thank you for being around me. You know, thank you for your help because they're trying to help. It's astonishing. We tend to think of them as sitting on clouds looking down wistfully, but they're not. Their lives are really much nicer than our lives, and they're eager to go on to them. Um, But first they want to make sure that we know that they're okay. Other things we'll talk about in subsequent programs have to do with, with, for example, animals. The answer to a question you'll have, and we'll go into it more next week, is Any animal who's ever been loved by a human being lives forever. They're all going to be there waiting for you, and they love you, and they'll be all young and beautiful. And I'm going to have at least one dog and cat in the afterlife because you don't have to walk them, and there's no litter boxes. And that, to me, makes it a lot more fun to have an animal. In some sense, all living things may be part of what we call the field, which is mind, which is God's all the same thing. Um, it's as if consciousness is a matrix from which all of reality is suspended. And life seems to be an aspect of mind which, in, which inhabits matter separately. And so anything that's a lot... I, a lot of the things we thought were just naive superstitions by primitive people, we come to respect freshly when we understand all of this. Uh, it turns out that one of the most advanced religions was actually one which we would think would be uh, um, ridiculous. Uh, and that's the Plains Indians. The Plains Indians were enormously spiritual people, probably still are, but um, the, the, the afterlife contains every civilization that we've ever, ever had. And there, um, the people who, are, uh, who were Plains Indians in life are actually um, the, the place where people who are most damaged on earth are taken to be healed. It makes you stop and think. But if you'll recall, they believed everything had spirits in it, and they probably were not far wrong. There are other things, too, that begin to make sense. More and more people are studying the placebo effect. You know, why would a medicine work if there was nothing in it? Or homeopathic medicine where there's not a single molecule left of whatever was originally supposed to be the medicine, and yet somehow then it's more powerful, it's more concentrated. made no sense when we looked at it from the viewpoint of 
mainstream science makes perfect sense when we understand that everything is energy. Reality is fundamentally emotional. This may be one of the most surprising things about it. You know, we, we, we think of reality as like clockwork, but it's not. It's very emotional, which means that if you're a happy person by nature, you're going to have a happy life. If you're pessimistic, you are creating your own negative reality. We'll talk about that also in later programs. But it's so important to always remember that your mind is every minute creating your life. And if you want a good life, you're going to have to make your mind understand how to create that good life for you. It is really that simple. I know it's hard to believe, but it really is exactly that simple. As I come to understand a little more about quantum physics, I've been saddened by the fact that you can sort of see the quantum physics physicists floundering. A century ago, the major quantum physicists knew exactly what they had found. And what's, what's frustrating is, even though these people are celebrated by mainstream physicists, what they said is ignored now. I'm going to tell you a little bit about what they said so you can wince with me. Max Planck is the father of quantum physics. He received the Nobel Prize in 1918 for quantum theory. Here are a couple of things he said. Again, father of quantum physics. 1918, almost 100 years ago, he received the prize for this. In 1931, he said, I regard consciousness as fundamental. I regard matter as derivative from consciousness. We cannot get behind consciousness. Everything we talk about, everything we regard as existing, postulates consciousness. Why are scientists ignoring that? In 1944, he said, As a man who has devoted his whole life to the most clear-headed science, to the study of matter, I can tell you as a result of my research about atoms this much. There is no matter as such. All matter originates and exists only by virtue of a force which brings the particles of an atom to vibration and holds this most minute solar system of the atom together. We must assume behind this force the existence of a conscious and intelligent mind. This mind is the matrix of all matter. Those two quotations from what many think was the greatest quantum physicist ever, the one who, who literally gave us quantum physics, tell, tell us he knew exactly what he had found. He knew he had found God. This is how it works. He had found the greater reality that we are only now groping to find, almost a hundred years later. Albert Einstein is a name we know well. He said, the distinction between past, present, and future is only a stubbornly persistent illusion. Time really isn't real. And what's frustrating is that here we're bound by it. So it's hard for us to imagine taking time out of things. But if you take time out of things, a lot is explained. And again, we'll talk about that in later programs. Stephen Hawking has now come out, quote, come out as an atheist. He wasn't always so. And I, I, it makes me sad that a, a man getting older who is quite crippled has apparently been prevailed upon to uh, espouse the... Uh, <sighs> the prevailing religion of scientists, which is atheism. But he said, what is the that breathes fire into the equations and makes a universe for them to describe? Why does the universe go to all the bother of existing? 
We'll talk about why. There's a lot of evidence about why the universe exists at all. But to me, that's a great point. Yeah, we can study the universe, the material universe, using uh, equations, using math. But why does that make anything real? There's no reason for that. There has to be an energizing force. Physicist Sir James Jean said, the universe begins to look more like a great thought than a great machine. What a great insight that is. The universe is a thought. The Big Bang was the start of a thought. And when you know that, it explains a lot. The universe is a thought. You and I are part of that thinker. And that sums up everything I want you to know today. When you understand all of that as true, what I have to tell you next week about death and the period after death will be easy and joyful for you to hear. One of the things that we've done is to, is to establish a website called afterlifeforums.com. If you want to talk about any of these things, please come there and talk about it. Um, it's a loving community. I can't get over what wonderful people are there. It's a loving community of people who are all trying to better understand the truth. Many of them have been grieving or are still are grieving, but they help one another. And if you have questions, there are people there besides me. I'll be there too, but there are people who will be happy to, to help you answer them. My book is called The Fun of Dying, Find Out What Really Happens Next. It's available on Amazon.com in both Kindle and print and on Barnes & Noble as an ebook. book um, I have other books that will be coming out in about probably 10 months, and uh, we'll be talking about those later as time goes on, all just helping you, trying to help you understand what life is, what reality is, and how joyful your life should be. Please join us next week. We'll be talking about death and the afterlife. Now go out and enjoy and make the most of the coming week in our one reality, knowing that you are an eternal being and you are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about your eternal life. To learn more, tune in every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. For lively and positive discussions, visit www.afterlifeforums.com. To contact Roberta, email her at roberta at seekreality.com. Wishing you a productive week empowered by the truth of who you really are.